What is serenity? I think for most people, they associate serenity with the idea of calm, nothing bothers you, almost like a lake with no ripples in it or the ocean on a day when the waves are flat. I think also people have the idea it's like you don't get upset and um, it's kind of like heaven or heroin (laughs) for any of you who have taken barbiturates or heroin. It gives you that serene feeling. That's why people like it. Alcohol can at first, but then you get crazy. So that's a little different. And a lot of people crave serenity because then they think they won't feel pain or life will be better. Maybe it's a sign of enlightenment. And that's not my experience of serenity. My first hit of serenity came very late in life. I may have had it earlier, but if so, I don't remember, and it didn't stick. But I remember I just felt so connected to what, I can't even tell you, but just maybe the word would be whole. And yet nothing in my life had been resolved. I had financial insecurity. I had no friends living in a hostile environment where the kind of work I do is considered anti-Christian. And it felt so weird. Some of you have heard this story. I called a friend of mine in New York, drug and alcohol counselor and close to 30 years in AA. Oh, somebody who worked a spiritual program and knew psychology as well as spirituality, called up and said, I'm just feeling so weird. I, something's wrong with me. I don't know what this is. And I described it, and he was busted out laughing, which was pretty funny. <laughs> Not what I expected. And he said, you're describing serenity. You've never felt it before. I mean, that's what you're describing. And as soon as he said it, I knew he was right. Oops. I'm with Pia, and she hates sprinklers. Come on, Pia. It's okay. And since that day, when I could actually own it, remember it, and maybe it was just time for it to stick a little bit, it is... A large part of my life. Not all the time. Nothing is all the time. The sun sets and rises. It rains, it snows, there's sun, there's a thunderstorm. Everything on earth is constantly changing. So the idea is not to get serene and stay there (laughs) and get peaceful and stay there. And also, when you're learning big lessons, I don't know if there's any way to learn them serenely because you're getting the core of your soul dug up, washed off, cleaned up, polished, and put back in you different. There's no way I'm going to be serene about that. (laughs) 
I might be able to be detached, accepting, uh, have a lot of surrender and moments of serenity. So serenity to me is not a goal and it's not necessarily better than angst. We just don't like angst as much. And for those of you with a trauma brain, meaning whatever wounds you have suffered through childhood or adulthood that has created trauma, whether it was chronic, low-level chronic, or extreme um, event, circumstance-based trauma, and war, <clears throat> rape, murder, sudden death of someone, any of that unhealed material, you will have a trauma brain. You have leftover reactions, chemical, neurological, biological. So for you guys, experiencing serenity might give you a small heart attack. It will be very threatening, feel very vulnerable. And why is that? Well, when you have a trauma brain, you're always kind of waiting for the next shoe to drop. <clears throat> sometimes hypervigilant, sometimes just planning, just constantly looking ahead. What if this happened? What will I do? Can I trust what's going on? Because a trauma brain person doesn't want to get hurt again. Whereas someone with more healing under their belt understands that hurt is just as much a part of life as wonderfulness of getting something or feeling safe, etc. And people with more healing under their belt understand that angst comes and goes, serenity comes and goes, and they're flexible, accepting of it all. But a trauma brain person will, I want to say, still have kind of a knee-jerk reaction meaning that when there's any sense of danger, habitual neurons, neurotransmitters, will start firing, warning, sirens going off, danger, danger, danger. And Trauma brain folks are very protective of what they've got. Like, oh my God, at least I got this far. At least I got this going. At least this corner is safe. At least, uh, and if anything threatens that, there's kind of this underlying thought of, oh no, here we go again. Or I can't possibly survive this. Or this must be my fault because I was such such a good place. And oh no. So you're not very resilient when you have a trauma brain. With more healing under your belt, you can be vulnerable enough to have life be so freaking good without getting scared that the other shoe's going to drop, that you're fantasizing, it's too good to be true, you're going to get punished for this, you're being self-indulgent, just so much fear around being loved, 
receiving in any form whatsoever and getting really comfortable in your skin and your body and your life. That's trauma brain, folks. And the healing of this, by the way, depending on when it happened and for how long, can happen rather quickly and it can also take years, depending on not only what's happened to you, but also your karmic makeup, what you came here to learn as a soul. Some people came here to learn about trauma and pain. That's what they wanted to experience. Like, wow, what's that like? Like, I have a nephew, and uh, he came from a middle-class family, and he went to law school at Stanford. And in the summers, he would go down to Mississippi or Alabama, live in a tent with a bunch of volunteers, and do voter registration drives for African-American people in the poorest sections of our country, teaching them how to register and trying to organize and set up transportation so people could vote and living in a tent. So he wanted to learn about suffering and angst, not just have a nice life. So lots of souls come in and want to do that. Some of them get to visit it, like my nephew, and other people might want to do a lifetime of it, like be born in Afghanistan right when the war started and proceeded for the next 20 years. There was a soul that said, I want to experience war. So war survivors, especially 20 years of it, that's going to take a lot of recovery. Some of you might have listened to the Brene Brown podcast with Auschwitz survivor, and hopefully you heard her say that she got therapy and she had survivor's guilt and she went through a lot to get to where she is now, which is upbeat and a lot of recovery and she made it, but she did a lot to make it. You can too, is what I'm trying to say. Get it, P. Good girl. So serenity can come off as a big threat. Oh, we found a bunny and we're in the suburbs. How exciting. (laughs) Good girl. Get it. It's dusk, so I don't walk her where there might be coyotes. That's the suburbs. Good girl, Pia. So what does serenity feel like? Well, this is going to be a little bit like telling you what uh, cosmic orgasm feels like, which is it's going to be hard to imagine or understand or get if you've never experienced it because it's all energy-based. But what it feels like to me is that there is this... I want to say knowing, but it is beyond a knowing. It is as if hmm, I, let's say, I'm in my car, I have enough gas, I have my cell phone with me, I have some music or a podcast, I have really good friends, 
I have family, and I'm just really feeling okay to drive in traffic because everything feels kind of lined up for me to not only enjoy the drive I'm about to go on, but that somehow I feel safe to handle anything that should come up. No anticipation of bad, no fear, no projection of it, but also not sitting there going, there better be no traffic, this better be, you know, a flowing, good vibe ride. It's more like, I'm so ready for anything. And whatever happens might be an adventure, it might be an obstacle course, it might be flat, nothing really happening. But whatever it is, I feel safe with me. And let's say the car really is spirit. Because get the bunny, P. Oh, get the bunny. Sit. <laughs> the car is like spirit. It surrounds me. It drives me. It's taking me somewhere. Pia is really getting this rabbit. Wow. Good girl. Oh, she is so fast. Not as fast as a bunny. <laughs> so here I am, surrounded by spirit. Spirit is my vehicle. I'm inside the vehicle. And I'm with me and my self-care items, things, thoughts, vibes are also in place. I made sure they're all in the car. And now I'm ready for whatever comes next. And I'm happily curious and anticipating the drive. And there's kind of this low hum of good humor. A vibration of expectancy. Kind of like when you cook and you're salivating as you smell the food that you're cooking and maybe the animals are sitting around or family members and everybody's getting ready to eat and there's just this really pleasant expectation. It doesn't mean, by the way, that all your bills are paid, that all your conflicts are resolved, that you're losing weight without effort, that you're suddenly bringing in more money, that all of your problems and issues are still there, but it's kind of like I'm in this car driving, and the car is the vehicle, that is spirit, and whatever comes, it's like a road trip. Whoa, let's see. So serenity is to me resilience, flexibility, a tremendous amount of faith, not only in spirit, but in myself. I have faith that I am my own champion. I will care for me, and I'm good at it. And I have faith that spirit will guide me in that self-care, and that spirit will also get me out of trouble when needed. And that if I get in trouble, because that's needed, spirit will be right there with me, sword drawn. And this is not like I've heard some um, religious folks will say, 
you know, the Lord is with me. Jesus is with me. Everything's going to work out. And the attitude with that is, I don't really have to take responsibility or do anything. You know, it, it's all in God's hand. God will make everything work out. And what's our job then? <laughs> so as far as I know, spirit is here to help us evolve and grow, not become dependent children or sheep. So spirit, who we conferenced with before we ever designed this life, spirit and you said let's set up these healthy challenges in this life so you'll grow in these areas serenity is i think also built on going through failures and successes awake responsibly with accountability mindfulness because what that does is it builds up a record of practice for yourself that you survive failures and that you know that small successes are not meant for you to go over the top and get excited like oh I'm making so much money and now you stop being a good person or you stop helping others etc Serenity to me is kind of like a marriage. A great marriage keeps growing and it doesn't happen instantly. A great marriage deepens, gets more resilient, more flexible, more forgiving, also more demanding. Be present, handle stuff that comes up, have hard conversations, compromise while hanging on to self-care. Work it out. And with all of that, you get more and more relaxed and yet more and more, I want to say, seduced and in love with the relationship of the marriage. And we have two marriages in this life that will never go away. The marriage to the self and the marriage to spirit. And like marriages to another person, they require time, attention, energy, and focus. The serenity is also filled with a lot of humor. Get up in the morning, you feel really good. Your bills aren't paid. Your cat just died. Your mom's sick. But somehow you wake up with this sense that everything is as it should be, whether you like it or not. Kind of like gravity. There it is. Like it or not, there it is. But you can't ignore gravity. And you can't fight gravity. You work with it. So you wake up with this kind of... It might feel grounded, but I prefer the word just connected. And able, from the moment you open your eyes, to luxuriate in your bed, feel your skin, kiss someone, pet someone. Come on, pee. Maybe reminisce about yesterday, the things that worked. Maybe go over your fears about your current problems. 
and reassure yourself that you will, with Spirit's help, meet your challenges. This is all before you get up. This is just like waking up, rolling around in bed, kind of hearing your engine purring to life. And in serenity, you can move at high speeds. You can do that reminiscing in the morning, and then you get up and get going. I used to run, meditate, be at work by 8 in the morning, and I felt I was so alive, ready to go. Woo! No matter what. Had to get up early to do that. Had to make the effort. And that was done with a lot of serenity. Serenity can also mean moving slow, resting. It isn't always sitting in the garden, smelling the flowers, and watching the hummingbirds. Good girl, Pia. Good girl. Sometimes it's you're in traffic, it's jammed up, horns are honking, it's hot, and you're just going, wow, I, why is this not really upsetting me? <laughs> Those are the early days and years of serenity. It's like, wow, I'm just, I'm really okay. Trauma brain people also sometimes go into this place that I used to do this years and years ago, decades ago. If it's all okay, I'm going to get fat and lazy. I'm going to stop working. Nothing pushes me. Nothing drives me. That's a trauma brain speaking don't stop running, building, working, etc. But with serenity, it's so strange. You do so much less and so much gets done. Can't explain it really. I can theorize, which is because you're super connected to yourself and super connected to spirit, a lot of extraneous choices are eliminated. Good girl. You're okay. That's my Rottweiler. Hi. Hi. Good girl. You're okay. Good. Good girl. In other words, instead of running around like chicken with my head chopped off because I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do this, that's somehow I do maybe one out of five of those things and the other steps fall into place. And you can't mock that up. You know, I have met some people and they say, well, you know, I just have decided to let this go and see what happens. And that's a lot more of their, to me, ego talking, their left brain. And they're trying to be serene because they have an idea that that's a good place to be and this is what it might look like. Whereas my experience of this is at the end of the day, or the middle of the day, I kind of look around and go, how did these things get worked out? How did, how did this take care of this, and this took care of this? And sometimes I'll see that things I let go, which kind of used to freak me out being a recovering workaholic, <clears throat> got done faster, better, and with less angst 
when they were done at the exact right time. That is also part of serenity. Great example for me was getting a PhD, 50 to 60, so I'm old, working three jobs also. It was exhausting. And the last time I'd been in school, you know, I took a class and we had semesters, not quarters. You did your homework, I did my papers by a certain time, I proofread them and I handed them in on time. So I'm doing a PhD and I can't do that schedule at all. It's driving me crazy. I sit down to write, I can't write crap. I can't even think straight. It's like, oh my God, I'm old and my brain isn't working. I got stupid because I'm not in school. And I finally, after praying quite a bit, help me. That was the big prayer, help me. <clears throat> I gave up. I just went, okay, show me how to do this to spirit. So I would read and research and make notes and save websites for a paper. And I had to write like a 10-page paper at least every week with citations. Oh. <laughs> Excruciatingly yucky way to write, unless you love research. And what happened is I would read and think, and part of me would ask Spirit, now? Paper now? <laughs> the answer was no. And then at the weirdest times, sometimes 10 o'clock at night, and then I'd stay up till 1 in the morning, and I'm not a night owl. Or sometimes I'd wake up at 3 or 4 in the morning. Or sometimes it would be 6 at night. It would be, all of a sudden, write the paper now. And I would. And I would write one paper, one draft, few if any corrections, with citation, and I was shocked. I was shocked for 10 years it went like that. <laughs> That's how I got to the PhD. Completely different way. And at first there was angst, <clears throat> but then came serenity along with it. Uh-oh, big dog. Come here, Pia. So, good girl. Good. Oh, she's on a leash? Okay, good. Yeah. Hi, Pink. Beautiful dog. Yeah, she wants to go for a walk. Yeah. You're a good dad. <laughs> Come on, Pink. I love people who walk their dogs. So that 10 years of working like that, I believe built a strong foundation in me for serenity because it was endless practice in do the work, which is I kept reading and taking notes and getting ready so that when spirit said, now <clears throat> I had done all the footwork, I didn't just wait for magic to happen. I just couldn't write the damn paper, but I could read and study and think and research, etc., make notes etc. And that was this giant practice built new neural pathways for me that said, do the fit work, let go of the results, which they say in 12 step, trust the process, continue to live your life, self-care the best you can, and trust that the car, the vehicle will be there to transport you when and where you need to get somewhere. And as a recovering atheist as well, this was a, a big adventure. I mean, this is nuts and bolts 
writing research papers. This isn't finding the blue car that I dreamed about that my guides in the shower told me I should get. This is research paper. <clears throat> and I believe that that discipline of literally being forced to trust spirit <clears throat> and myself because I couldn't write the damn papers when I wanted to. I tried. That that reshaped my brain and me into being able to really handle serenity. To really have faith. Not the faith where I sit on my butt and expect it all to happen. But faith that if I listen, I have a spiritual practice to listen that I do the footwork that I feel guided to do. And sometimes I do the footwork that it just is self-care for me. It makes me feel better. I'm not always guided to go to the gym, but I go to the gym and yuck sometimes, but it makes me feel better. So all of that practice that came from this external structure called get a PhD reshaped me into a person with a lot more faith in myself as well as spirit. Crazy, huh? I didn't see it that way at the time in the beginning, but about halfway through I did because there was no way I should have been able to finish that degree with everything that was going on in my life. Now, how do you practice moving towards serenity? I don't know if there's one answer for everybody. I don't believe that's true about anything. Well, except maybe silent meditation. I guess I believe that that's listening to spirit. And I don't know any other way to listen to spirit that's quite as effective. Listening to music or guidance, it just isn't the same. But I could be wrong about that. But that is my opinion. That is the one thing I'm always thinking applies to everybody. Maybe the exceptions would be people with massive trauma brains sitting with themselves. They're going to freak out because all the pain's going to come up or they're afraid it is. So practicing moving towards serenity. Believe it or not, I would say take on small challenges. The holistic psychologist has this little sheet that she prints out. It's on her website. And I think it's called something like small daily promise. You make a small daily promise to yourself. But then you process and note what happens when you make it. Pia, where'd she go? Pia! What happens when you make that promise? Good girl. And what happens when you don't keep it? that you start to process the feelings, the emotions, physical stuff, like the days you don't keep it, do you overeat? Do you get cranky at work? For some people, that paper helps them. For some people, it might be too much. So find ways to give yourself small challenges and build on small successes 
And this will create new neural pathways for yourself regarding you beginning to trust you. If you don't trust you, you're definitely not going to trust spirit. You may say, oh, I believe in Jesus, but you hate yourself and you don't trust yourself and you think you're a loser and you're a secret alcoholic or a secret overeater. There's no way you can have true, energetic, emotional, spiritual faith in a higher power. You cannot. Just don't have the chemistry for it even. So build a relationship with yourself first. I got through this. I got through that. I got through this. I got through that. And wow, the more we do, I got through this. I got through that. You're in your body. Once you're in your body, once you practice being in your body instead of running away all the time and dissociating or deflecting or distracting, spirit is with us then. Whether you know it or not, whether you feel it or not, spirit is there. Just like I've said so many times, there's 5,000 TV shows on right now, and we're not watching any of them because the TV isn't on. Spirit is around you, guiding you all the time. But if you're not home, you're not getting the reception. So giving yourself small challenges and noting the small successes, then you can add to that. And I'm looking here, minimum six months of doing that. That doesn't mean, by the way, that you stop after that. <laughs> I'm saying six months before you can go to step two. Ultimately, that practice of small challenges and small successes, wimpy, is a lifestyle. Like brushing your teeth, washing your hair. You just start to do it all the time. You can add to that then. Remembering to say, help me or show me as you continue to create small challenges and build on small successes. Now what you're telling spirit is, I think I kind of got this trusting with myself down. I can stay in my body for more than 30 seconds. I can notice when things are working and not working and not spin out about it. And then spirit goes, good, she can receive a little more spiritual energy now without freaking out. That means your trauma brain has been restructured a bit. For those of you without trauma brain, you have developed more faith. Those of you with trauma brain have perhaps started to develop more faith, but if not, it will come. Until you get stronger, you cannot handle a lot of spiritual energy. That's why lots of times people take drugs so they can have that spiritual experience that won't last, won't guide them for long. And it definitely doesn't help them build the inner resources you need to receive the great energy source that exists that's bigger than us. So after those small challenges, learning which keep you in your body, tracking your progress, self-care with what you think are failures. Maybe you find out later they're not failures. Then you can start to add to that. Help me, show me. What will happen then is the challenges will start to roll in rather than you constructing them so much. Now you're telling spirit, give me an education. I did not set up with my PhD. 
I'm not going to write my papers. I'm going to see if spirit guides me to do that. I did not do that. <laughs> that was given to me. And after that, spirit started to set up other challenges for me that I could handle with less angst, more faith. Come on, Pete. And with that came in serenity. Like, I can do this. And if it fails, I can do that too. Wow. What a feeling of safety. To me, serenity <clears throat> has a lot of energy of safety as well as contented, sweet mindfulness about successes and failures. And a readiness for any kind of weather, obstacle, challenge, or joyous thing that comes my way. That it will not rock my boat, will not rock my world, but instead, I'm in a kayak, on a sailboat, in the ocean of life. Me and spirit, me and myself. And we can handle it. And if there's a storm coming, spirit's going to tell me, and I'm going to turn around and skedaddle back to shore. And I trust that to happen. And if it feels like that's not happening, I'm so strong. I'm at a place feeling, well, that's not happening. There must be a bigger challenge in store for me. And we're going to get through this. So you get so much less reactive. So much less planning ahead, planning contingencies. What about this? What about that? I hope you're interested in serenity. It's a fabulous way to live. And it takes a constant tune-up. It's not like, oh, now I can be serene and I never have to do anything about it again. No, that's like saying, well, now I got in shape in the gym so I never have to work out again. No, not true. <laughs> Everything we don't keep in consciousness will fade away or get less strong. All of this is lifestyle. It, they are all lifestyle choices. And lifestyle choices do require loving self-discipline, loving regulation of emotions, along with self-care. I hope this helps. Hope to see you at Life Path Healings. Journey on.